Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edge Hill. And today is Monday. And this is Bacon and Eggs. So take on your first guild job. And betray the person helping you. Because today we're bringing you The Mandalorian. Ethan, before I get into the stats, I want to introduce our guest. We have another Monday Lorian guest, and this one is a friend of ours from college. He's a former guest of Bacon and Eggs. He's an all-around wonderful human being. You may have seen him as all sorts of different stage characters, perhaps as uh, Elvis, oftentimes Elvis, <laughs> or or, uh, or 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 or. Or or oh, it's all right. I'll, I'll I'll come in. I'll come in. It's no, all good. No 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 no. no, no, no. I, I had another one. You're reading the site. <laughs> or younger brother from Ragtime. Oh yeah, that was a blast. That was a good time. Uh, yeah. So when our guest today he's is, his name is old enough. I will Sam show Jones. him America. <laughs> That's the one song I know from Ragtime. Oh, it's a good one too. It's a keeper. Wheels of a dream. The wheels of a dream. But we are joined this. His name is Sam C. Jones. Sam Jones. He's got a new album out. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, Sam, are you in California right now or are you in I, Virginia? I am back in Virginia. I I moved back here. Well, I was I was planning on coming back here. Um, first of all, thank you both for having me back on the show. I, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I, I was planning on coming back here in April anyway because I had a job in Florida. I was supposed to be doing Rock of Ages at the Hippodrome Theater, but we found out this week that of course, to no one's surprise, uh, the the show is canceled, um, which is okay. So, but but I am uh, I I I was excited, excited and looking forward to it. But I'm more relieved than anything that uh, people are taking this thing you know seriously and being safe. So I am in Virginia. I'm at my parents' house, and I'm just you know chilling and waiting this thing out and trying to get as much art done as I possibly can while while we're waiting this whole thing out. So yeah, that's awesome. What part were you going to play in Rock of Ages? I was gonna play Drew, man. No way. I was. I was going to do the whole Constantine Morales thing. That's so fun. It was, I was really looking forward to it. So, you know, hopefully they get a chance to do it um, sometime either next season or in another season, or there's, there are other theaters that, that have it on their, their season. So um, I, I've been trying to kind of hit them up and be like, Hey, I was supposed to do Drew. Do you need one? <laughs> do you need do a you, Drew? Do you, I could be your, your Drew. Drew. Yeah. Yeah. I could be your Drew. I could be your Drew, baby. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, Mandalorian, stats. Welcome back to the show. Um, <laughs> stats! This episode is not called The Gunslinger. Yeah, it maybe. is. Yeah, it is. It is. It was chapter five. Mm -hmm. Yes. Chapter five, The Gunslinger. Chapter five. Oh, by... did I forget to change the number? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I just no, changed I the name, yeah. Uh, directed by Dave Filoni. Came out December 6th, uh, which is, again, 146 days ago. And I got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is lower than last week. It's, yeah, lower by, like, 20%. I liked this episode. This is my favorite so far, I think. I, I think I'm but in I... the same boat. I also get why it's the lowest rated. Yeah, the there there are some there's some pacing issues with this one, definitely. But it just more so than the rest of them. It doesn't matter at all. <laughs> you know what I, I think? I'm, I'm what I'm learning is that they're giving us. I think our complaint last week was they're not giving us enough overarching arc. I think what's happening instead 
is they're giving us too much Baby Yoda. Because Baby Yoda is the crack in the wall from, like, Matt Smith's first season. But we're like, it's so in our face. He's barely in this episode. No, he's a huge part of it. He's barely in it. Barely in it, except the part where he's kidnapped and held for ransom. I mean, yeah, but, like, that was the last minute. The whole episode was one minute long. He he is held in someone's arms for 95% of the episode. Well, as he should be. I mean, to be fair, like... And this this one produced almost as many memes as any of them with the the scene at the end of him looking around the wall and like smiling and be like, hi. Yeah. Yeah. That was some classic Baby Yoda meme. Also, but. with all like the little noises that he makes throughout the entire episode, just just e- every single ah. like every one of those is is the most adorable thing I've ever heard in my life. I just I'm I'm waiting for it. So this is my second watch through. Obviously, we're doing it on the show. I saw it the first time, and I'm still waiting for it to get old. The cuteness of Baby Yoda. Yeah, it won't. It never will. It's impossible. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. But I, I really, truthfully, the first time I was watching it through, I was like, okay, I'm eventually gonna get tired of this, though, right? And I didn't. And now I'm watching it all the way through a second time, and I. Still Still haven't gotten tired of it yet. The, I'm still just show, like, oh, it's, it's been out. Can for, he eat another frog, please? It's been out for almost 200 days, and we're still talking about how cute Baby Yoda is. I don't, I don't think it's going to get old. It, That's true. He's not wrong. It, it, it definitely has peaked, though. Like I haven't seen a whole lot about Baby Yoda. Like we're doing more to uh, at this point to keep Baby Yoda in people's faces than than he just is in people's faces. Well, no, no, no. We're not thinking about Baby Yoda right now. We had to focus on Tiger King for a little bit, and we're focusing on kind That's of a true. global global I still pandemic. Have yet to see single second of tiger king it's it's so it's like i don't know uh it's a zero on the binary scale but but if you have a minute to watch it go right ahead it's i don't i don't think it's bad by any means it's well produced and it like it really really draws you in but the same is true for like kardashians right so well i don't know if there's not like a lot of crime happening on the kardashians there are criminals in tiger king there's a lot of crime happening on the kardashians they just don't talk about it oh well i've never seen an episode of the kardashians I mean, but yeah, but like they're rich people in Los Angeles. They're they're committing crimes. Yeah, there's there's some crime being committed there. No, these are these are overt criminals on Tiger King. It's pretty it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough memes and just people talking about it. Be like, these people are all scummy. Yeah, I feel like so. I want to talk about Ming Na Wen is in this movie or in this episode. She's wonderful. Whom I think is like a geek culture icon. She's the voice of Mulan. She's the voice of Mulan, and she's Melinda May in Agents of Shield. She was Chun Li in Street Fighter. Uh, But she's also just like I think she's really as badass as you think she is. Like I think there's something to her where it's like she does every stunt or something. There's something about her that's like next level. And I don't know enough about her. I I, what I can tell you from watching this is that she was besides Pedro Pascal my favorite part of this episode um just for the limited screen time that she had i thought that she was just her performance was wonderful she was just the right amount of scary that she needed to be for someone that they were hunting and who was lethal and deadly i thought she was wonderful i, I would agree and i definitely like her a lot better than jake Canavale, who was the uh Man. the other bounty hunter the Man. newbie i loved him you loved him really? he's one of my favorite characters so far yeah but again like i am coming to this from the place of like this has a different thing for me than just being Star Wars. It's like this is the this is an episode of Gunsmoke or The Rifleman or one of those TV shows that I grew up watching, like the Western TV shows. 
Yes. Black and white, really bad. And so like, it's, this, it, this has an, even though it's not old, this has a nostalgia factor for me because like, this is a story I've seen so many times. This episode did a much better job of like becoming, of, of showcasing the space Western aspect of the Star Wars universe than oh, a yeah. few other episodes have. And, 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 and say the, the prequel series showed that it's a space Western. Um, but his character, you know, I, I think you were talking either last week or the week before about Carl. Weathers about how his dialogue sounds like a bad video game script. Yes. And that yeah. was how I felt about this guy and, oh, even, for sure. and even Amy Sedaris a little bit, like who I love, but Oh, I thought of, Amy Sedaris was fantastic. I thought that their dialogue was <laughs> really bad. Um but uh yeah, so but I like I liked her a lot more than I liked um, Amy Sedaris is the this um, guy. The the spaceport person. Yeah, the spaceport person. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I liked about Amy Sedaris is I felt like Amy Sedaris and Jake Canavale were both given just garbage dialogue in true Star Wars tra tradition. Mm -hmm. But I I loved the delivery from Amy Sedaris so much more than I did Jake Campbell. Truthfully, I think I think Amy Sedaris played it wrong though. Like her character was weird for me because it, she doesn't end up being completely unhinged, and she plays it especially at the beginning like a character. Like I thought she was gonna end up trying to like murder Baby Yoda. Uh, so you think really? she's like a reverse Sigourney Weaver from Ghostbusters? Yeah, uh, more Where sinister she than that. Though. Crazy. More sinister and then, than like, that. And then like ends up being like maternal. Right. It's like the, when she first is is picking up the baby and is doing this whole like, did he leave you in? In the in the you know I started getting real like Norman Bates like psycho vibes. I like that it didn't go there. Yeah, I do too. But I just I think that I I don't think she did bad. I think that just with the dialogue they gave her, she sort of played a different character than was written within the lines. Hmm. This is this is the dot that I'm connecting from that is I think that we learn in Phantom Menace and in Attack of the Clones that there are these maternal figures who end up being like slave women or. I guess in this woman's case, you know, end up doing these traditionally masculine jobs, but they still have that maternal instinct inside. And I think this character turning out to have that instinct, even though she's got this like gruff job of negotiating rates and overcharging for, for part repairs is, is really interesting and really cool to me. 100%. I, I am glad that there wasn't another talk of like, oh, well, maybe I should just leave the child with him or with her. Yeah, I, he is committed. He's doubled that down have been, on the child. That would have been too much week to week. But and, no, I'm all, I, and, and I'm also glad that she didn't try to like kind of pull a fast one on him the way that um what's his name what's the Cavanale's Toro I'm glad that she didn't try to pull one over on him on the Mandalorian the way that that guy did because I think that would have been he would have just had to kill everybody in that spaceport and have to fly away and that wouldn't have been very cool I think we needed one one character to have some redeeming qualities yeah absolutely episode, other, other than yeah baby Yoda to show you that you can meet people out on your journey that aren't going to be terrible for sure and at the end she's just like pit droids get this guy out of here and they're like and she has a really nice moment of when the ship is flying away where you you it's, it's very quick and it's very very subtle acting on amy sedaris's part but where you can kind of see in her eyes like man i hope that they're going to be okay flying around for sure. the galaxy yeah yeah i was i thought that was a really nice moment yeah i think i think I get the the criticism behind this one. It does it more so than the other ones. It really doesn't do anything to drive the story forward. Like this is literally a pit stop. Mm. Like he's getting his his tires changed essentially. Well, yeah, he gets into this like rant. I didn't. Okay, I want to talk about the space battle there at the beginning. I didn't love that there was just like, oh, and now he is being attacked. Like in media res attacked in the middle of the space situation. Um, I thought that that was that's literally silly. the beginning of 
freaking Attack of the Clones. That's, that's the beginning of every Star that's Wars. That's as yeah, I was gonna say that's as Star Wars as it gets. What are you talking about? They did it. I just they did it so that they could show that there's reverb in space when the enemy ship's uh, ship gets <laughs> yeah. blown up and he screams and it goes on forever. That's why they had that scene in there. <laughs> is, do you think that was it? That was the reason? <laughs> that was it. That's um, that's the only thing I can think yeah, of. <laughs> Star Wars says actually in our space they can hear you scream for a long time. <laughs> What what I wanted to say, though, is about that scene, I love the way that they produce the shot of the targeting computer is literally the whole screen that we are watching becomes the targeting computer. And this, it worked really well for me where because I paused it on accident and I realized that look, we're not looking over his shoulder at the computer and we're not getting any sort of view on the pilot. Every bit of you we're getting is the targeting computer. And it's this really, really cool interface that uh, I really, really enjoyed. And I thought that was a really cool way to, to show that shot. Um, Are you trying to like pull the, it up right now? I am, yeah. I, sometimes when we record things, I like to have them playing in the background so I can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot about this part. I, I feel like I need to go back and watch that because I I, I, rem I remember the, the, the classic, you know, lining up of the ship in the in the crosshairs shot. Is that what you're talking about? It's exactly, exactly what, what you're talking, talking about. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, they, that happens in Star Wars quite a bit um uh and i i feel like i remember in attack of the clones though we are like looking over jango fett's shoulder oh i see so it's only the yeah but it does happen yeah, you're in, looking for more um, of the new hope the like the the bombing run on the right. death star kind of yeah, thing. That, yeah. That, yes. that's that's the shot that you're thinking of it's the it's 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 exactly when he fires the shot right in the death star and, and they do it again in um the last jedi when finn is flying directly into the engine of the ship on the on the well, ice yeah, because planet yeah both this and The Last Jedi are made by Star Wars fans as opposed to people that made Star Wars. That's that's true. That's right. true. That's it's the difference between this and Attack of the Clones is like there is no George Lucas bias to these. Right. There was another homage moment in this episode where, where someone said a line that another character said, oh, no, you know what? That wasn't in this. I'm There was an episode of Clone Wars that I was watching where somebody said something that for sure happened in a later Star Wars movie that I thought was just a really nice callback. But I, I, I can't remember what the exact line was. Um, so... I do feel like we get strength to Han Solo's character here when Tor Calican, Jake Cannavale's, Jake Cannavale's character, mm -hmm. ends up being just like a total lame-o dweeb. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it further strengthens the Han Solo that we meet in the same cantina and how, like, really genuinely cool he actually was. Yeah. This guy has no business uh, being a bounty hunter. He's just a kid who is dreaming of fame and glory, um, but really is not very equipped to deal with really anything on Tatooine. Tusken Ray to to Fennec to 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 teaming up with the Mandalorian like he's not really equipped to do any of it although the first time I watched this when he shot Fennec didn't call it didn't catch it thought that was crazy yeah I I agree with you I thought that was nuts hold on I want to show you what I was talking about um before you see how in this shot right here and of course the viewers can't see it but like the whole screen is the targeting computer yeah yeah like we have we have gone from in the ship to in the computer i just love the way that that was done i love that shot it's pretty cool uh no, but that's, so, that's what I wanted to say so there. In the last episode, I complained about it being too main series adjacent. And I think that the difference between this episode and that episode is that it is a place and not people. That we get yes. from the main Star Wars canon. Yeah. And like, the, this takes place, and this this takes is... place in Tatooine, in the Mos Eisley spaceport, but it doesn't have anybody that I'm, I'm from, you know, he doesn't come in and meet 
Greedo or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is like Job of the Hut's not even like in the background or something. Right. I guess he's dead at this point. But you know what I mean. Like, so I didn't have any problem with this being on Tatooine or taking place in Mos Eisley or anything like that compared to the the stormtroopers in the last episode really throw me off. Yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah, I feel like this did a really good job. Uh, this episode in particular did a really good job uh, while not actually furthering the plot super, super much. It did it did a really good job of, of the world building and, the, and specifically the world building of what it means to be a bounty hunter and what it means to be a guild member it's 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 like the union for bounty hunters i mean it's it's right. these people who are like who take it very very seriously and really really um they seem to know each other's names from across planets and galaxies um i mean i'd say it even goes beyond being a union it's a guild yeah i mean that's like a that's an established thing like because, yeah, you can, you know, the union's not giving out jobs like that, I guess. The union's for the people who have the job. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's like, you know, you're not going to go to the union and, and be like, hi, I would like somebody to kill, please. Thank you. Right, right. Like, this is a whole other level of interconnectedness. Like, this dude obviously wants to be somebody. And and um, what's her name? What's interesting to me is it's, it's more about glory for this guy yeah. than it is about the money. Like, it sounds like he even comes from money, right? He's like, I don't care about the money I want the glory of my first kill being Fennec yeah oh yeah he's you know absolutely a privileged kid yeah, yeah 100% yeah I like that that's that, that, it's more interesting for that character to come from privilege but again sure. that's that's that goes back to because this isn't just pulling from Star Wars like I said and this goes back to the you know you have the guy that shows up in the saloon with daddy's gun just like ready to become the next great lawman or the next great bad guy or whatever brand new binoculars that get exactly. immediately handed over to Tusken Raiders what do they what do they call uh, what do they call Leo DiCaprio in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the bad guy? What the are they heavy. Keep calling him the heavy. The, the heavy. heavy. Yeah, I'm playing the heavy this week. Yeah, so you play, so you have a fight scene and he beats you <laughs> up, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and that's and that's what this show is doing. That that's that's how it's really a western, and it's it's just like Gunsmoke, where you have the hero going and crusading and, and doing these episodic journeys, where not necessarily each episode uh, really correlates with the next episode or really has any any translation or anything to do with the next episode. But there's always a a mission that needs to be taken care of and and a resolution that is found at the end. Oh, um, and Gunsmoke in particular beat the ever-loving crap out of this particular plot where some kid would want a piece of Matt Dillon or he would want to like work with him or whatever and, and then betray him and then betray him <laughs> and he would have to get himself out of some sticky situation and end up killing the kid and feel bad about it and then ride off into the sunset on his horse and then ride off into the sunset every time yeah yeah it's beautiful it's a it's a plot line that never gets old it works. It works. It it does work. And it's, you know, it's not plot lines we get to experience that often in Star Wars because all of the movies have been about one really crappy family. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a harsh description yeah, for somebody yeah. who, who is a fan a of such take. a family. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a fan of some of that family. They all suck. <laughs> Ray doesn't suck. Ray's not eh. well. Hold on, there's a lot of Luke doesn't suck. There's a lot of well, sometimes Luke. They okay, so Luke sucks. and Leia like had incest. Okay, okay that was one, one time. time. <laughs> they didn't know that they were related. Yeah. yeah, you were like cheering for Jamie Lannister to take the throne, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I absolutely was. You're exactly right, but that doesn't mean I think he's a good person. <laughs> I, I would also argue that Game of Thrones is a great story about several <laughs> families. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, saying that makes Star true. Wars he's bad. I mean, it's there, just you don't definitely. get to see a lot of like, if you're not connected to the Star to the Skywalkers, your story doesn't matter except for in this property. <laughs>
Nice. Because most of the most of the canon that didn't deal with the Star the, the Skywalkers was deleted by Disney. Right. Right. Which I again again I just want to say I'm in favor of that move. Which move specifically are you talking about? The the recanonization process when Disney took over for Star Wars. Ah, them deciding what does and doesn't actually exist. You know, I read a lot of those books. So did I, and I just don't, don't feel bad. That don't matter, apparently, anymore, you know? But, I, man, I read a lot of those damn books, and some of them were really good, and some of them were not. And by all means, keep, keep reading them. I'm not ever telling anybody to stop reading them, but, like, if you want more Star Wars, go get more Star Wars for sure. Yeah. But it was an unsustainable amount of information. It was a lot of Star Wars. Like, it, it is... It, it, we, we, There's we, a lot of Star Wars now, though. Yeah, yeah we've reached the point with the MCU where, it, where people are like, I cannot keep up with this. Like, mm-hmm. this is insane. And that was 22 movies. Like, if you're talking about another, you're talking about 12 movies, plus the TV shows, several of them, plus 900 books. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And there's comics of Star Wars that are apparently canon. And and then we also have all the Clone Wars and Rebels and everything. And so you, you need to, like, take time out of your day to watch cartoons. By the way, uh, I, I just want to do a quick plug. Dave Filoni has not paid me to say this or anything, but uh, Clone Wars Season 7 is quite good. And if you have a moment of your time, which I'm sure all of you do right now, Please go ahead and watch Clone Wars Season 7. In fact, start at Season 5 and then just kind of go through there. It's quality television. Is, is that the starting point? If I, I've tried Clone Wars, and literally every time I put it on, the announcer guy who's like, this week, the Galactic Republic needs to... I, I literally... Like, the galaxy moment he in, in, in trouble. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 so I'm, a, I'm asleep so immediately. So here's, 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 here's what I have to say about Star Wars Clone Wars. From, from I've seen most of it, and I, I feel like I can... I, I, I'm by no means in a authority on Star Wars but I am a fan and I and I've watched quite a lot of this stuff. Star uh Clone Wars season 1 through 4 you can kind of have on in the background while you're doing laundry or applying for jobs or whatever it is that you're doing while you're all uh, sheltering in place. Because it, for a while, for seasons one through four, each episode is episodic where like they get into a pickle and it's like, how are Obi-Wan and Anakin gonna get out of this pickle? And then miraculously they do. They are saved by either the army or Padme. Something happens and then the pickle is no more. And that will either last for one episode or like one to four episodes. And a lot of those Plot lines don't matter, but then once they bring back Darth Maul, man, it gets amazing. The 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 characters are in, incredibly relatable. The stakes are super high. Um, and and Ahsoka Tano is one of the best characters that Star Wars has ever written. So once you get Darth Maul and Ahsoka, uh, Ahsoka getting kicked out of the Jedi Order, which happens in in season five, and that's a terrific terrific plot line. Um, it's compelling TV with a lot of sympathetic characters. So you you can watch seasons one through four to kind of get a gist of it, but you're going to get a lot of side quests and a lot of side characters that ultimately don't matter to the to the broader picture of what it is. But once you get into season five through six and, and seven, which will which will be the end of the show, and, and the last couple of episodes are happening in tandem with events that happen in Revenge of the Sith, which I think is super cool. Um, that's, that's when it gets really good. So pl- go ahead and watch it. If you're a fan of Star Wars, it, it really ties the whole thing together. And that's what fascinates me about the Clone Wars. And I mean, it hasn't fascinated me at this point enough to actually dive into it. But the fact that they were able to turn it from like, and not that there's anything wrong with cartoons, but like it was a cartoon. Like, yeah, it was a cartoon. It, it, was, it, was, like, a, it was like a, it was like a. It was like a cartoon. It was like a kid's cartoon. It was a cartoon yeah. with a lesson at the beginning of every episode. And it, it, it kind of, it felt a little bit like Pokemon, you know, where it was just like they get into a pickle and they have to figure out their way out of it by using teamwork or whatever. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, obviously it's not anime, but it, it, it resembles, the way they structured it resembled those. Yeah. 
you know, from our childhood, the like anime dubs that they brought over, Dragon Ball Z and, and all those. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's always a And then they turned yeah. it into like a, a normal, like sustains in, st- st- sustains your interest TV show that anybody can be interested in. It, it sure is. And and Mandalorian sort of follows this with some of the way that it's structured where, where Mando gets in a pickle and gets out of it and moves on to the next quest by the end of the episode. Um... I, well, I'm, and that's how a lot of TV works. Like, there's no doubt that that House is going to solve the disease at the end of the episode, right? But it's not a show like it's not a show like Breaking Bad where no. it it's very very much like there's a there is a through line and you need to watch you know every episode in order to every really, episode, to really well, yeah. first of all you need to watch every episode of Breaking Bad. It's a fantastic TV show, but you do need to watch a couple of episodes in a row to get the journey that everybody's going on. But well, like, with the with the exception of, and this is why I honestly didn't have a problem with them releasing it this way, is because with the exception of the last two episodes of the season, you can't really spoil the Mandalorian. No. Once you know about Baby Yoda, yeah, that's that's the reveal of this show. I mean, it's not though because there there is like there are heavy hitting points at the end. Yeah. Well, and there's a reveal in the final episode. Yeah, and if you if you've watched the Clone Wars at all, and you know about the final episode, the the, the reveal at the at the very end is is huge, and it's it's. I have not watched the Clone canon. Wars, but I do know enough about what goes on to like I I saw the end of it, and I was like, oh, that's the thing that people keep telling yeah, me about. Yeah, yeah, uh, I want to talk about it so much, but I know that we can't. But yeah, it's it's no. so cool. But, and there's. Th- there's like some some heavy moments at the end too that like I would have been upset if somebody told me. Yeah, dude. But like this episode, you could be like, oh man, Mandalorian goes on an adventure and kills another mercenary and gets betrayed by another bounty hunter. And I'm like, okay. And this episode is guest starring this comedian. You know, like that's how this show is starting to feel to me now. Right. Yes. It's exactly that. <laughs> and it's we got Bobby Cannavale's starring... son playing a bounty hunter. Isn't that? And we have Ming Na Wen yeah. from Agents of Shield. And isn't that? Yeah. And isn't that Tyler Bill he... Burr? <laughs> From now. You'll recognize Bobby Cannavale, <laughs> Jake Cannavale's dad, as the guy that plays Van Pelt from Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Oh. oh. That is our bounty hunter friend's real life father. Very nice. Uh, well, there it is. Ca- That's what I was curious about. I've been wondering who that guy's son Cannavale was. Cannavale, yeah. he's a Broadway actor, according to his IMDb. Jake Cannavale. Who? Jake Cannavale, Jake? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's He's been on, I believe on a it. couple of Broadway plays. Yeah. So. He's also Paxton like, from Ant-Man, not Jake. Bobby. I don't know who Jake is. He, I think he's been in this, and he looks like he's in Nurse Jackie as Bobby Cannavale's son. Yep. Yeah. Who has he been on on the Broadway? I looked him up a moment ago. Let me pull him up again. Uh, Jake Cannavale. There are dozens of Broadway actors I'd be more excited to see in The Mandalorian. He has been in one Broadway play, Fish in the Dark which is by someone famous. It's by, it's a play by Larry David of Curb Your Enthusiasm and, and uh, Seinfeld fame. Uh, the Broadway actor I'd be most interested in seeing in a Star Wars property was in a Star Wars property, and he wrote a song for Star Wars. So go, Lynn. What Man, Star Wars wonderful. property was Lin-Manuel Miranda in? He was in the he was in, uh, Rise, of, Miranda is Rise, in of Rise of Skywalker. Briefly, as a cameo. Oh, I did not know as that. As a cameo. And he, he wrote the song on, like, the festival planet. Oh. He also wrote the music in the last... No, uh, uh, um, the Force Awakens at the Cantina, like it's like the new Cantina song. I did not know that. Yeah. That's cool. Who was oh, he in? Uh, John Williams said Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he was just he just had a cameo. He was a, like a soldier in in one of the oh, wide shots. Okay. But yeah, John Williams did not want to write another Cantina song, so they asked Lin Manuel Miranda if he would do it. What a freaking pull! I know, right? How do you feel if you're Lin? <laughs> you mean I get to write? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like sign at, me up. At some point, Lin Manuel Miranda is still like he has not really. He doesn't strike me as the guy that's grown up from like just being the guy that wrote in the heights so every time i feel like every time he gets a phone call with something cool to do he's just like 
awesome. Yeah, he's yeah, always totally. excited about it. Have you seen uh, his Dark Materials yet? No, it is. I haven't on watched my every list, episode though. of it, but he's in it, and he's quite good. He's very, very compelling and very, very funny in this show. I'm sure that I will love it. Ethan just watched a Lynn movie. I did. Uh, I just last watched uh, Mary Poppins Returns for the first time, and I thoroughly enjoyed him oh, in good. that. I still haven't seen that. I, I would, I would very, very much like to watch that. Y- um, you should watch it. It's currently on Netflix, I believe, and also Disney Plus. I oh, think. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It's definitely on Netflix yeah. because I typed it into um my or I set it into my Apple TV and it was like okay we're gonna take you to Netflix and I was like that's not where I thought you were gonna take me but sure did anyone else's heart skip a beat when um the Mandalorian shot uh Jake Cannavale and we thought that he had maybe shot Baby Yoda no <laughs> I knew not concerned because the theme in every episode is that Mando Mando wins when it comes to protecting Baby Yoda it's mm. not even like a competition so I did, I wasn't worried okay. okay he's also like we have not seen him miss yet that's true he's a very good shot he does get pretty wrecked by the mud horn yeah that's for sure but he doesn't he doesn't fire unless he has the shot mm. that is like yeah that is his thing so no I I, like and the, honestly honestly just because of how the show has worked there was no chance that i thought that baby yoda was not going to be okay until the end of the eight series yeah yeah but I, I can definitely see where you're coming from it's just like that there's there's not a whole lot of baby yoda drama even the first time where they can there, there's no way i thought that baby yoda was gonna be harmed yeah. that would be absolutely wild yeah. if they were just like oh episode five baby yoda dies <laughs> but in the in the final episode, now we have a new yeah, problem in the final episode there is there's some real peril going on with him and that that, that was, that well, was yeah but that's the final yeah. episode yeah some real real bad stuff going on um i also really loved uh mando's sign language with the tuscan raiders um you know it just I I really liked it a lot. Tyler's making a face. I don't know what his face is for. No, no, it's not a bad. I, I, I think sign language is dumb. No, I don't think that. I hate sign um, language. Let it hot take everybody. Let, let it be, be known, known across the world. Tyler Carlin hates sign language. That is not true. It is not. I do not hate sign language. Everybody should have the opportunity to communicate. Let's just make that clear. Uh, I thought when he was like, "Why don't you ask the Tusker Raiders yourself?" and he turns to the left, I laughed and right out loud. There. Oh, it's like. It, it's like a that was great. it's like a jump scare That's, but for comedy it's right. such a it's such a great like star wars moment when he's sitting there talking crap about him and he's like why don't you ask them yourself it's just a pan right it might as well have, it might as well have been dwight turning to angela and going you know it 100 percent is it is absolutely the same like it is it is the best bit of comedic timing that this show has had so far. And they're because it's well, not, the it's not trying to And they're not even being threatening. They're just standing there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, because they, they don't have their arms over their head with the thing, but they but they are just looking at them. Because they know better. Right. They know what they're and up against. They know the Mandalorian's going to give them something, something yeah. to for passage. This is not a situation they're this unfamiliar is, with. And this is a rare callback where Mando is able to like negotiate because if you remember, he like was physically incapable of negotiating with Jawas. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the Tusken Raiders, he's got and and it's because again, it's he, he's only competent when he has to be for like when there's something else at stake when it regards to the child or in this case when he has to be shown to be the competent leader of these two people. What? Why didn't he like the Jawas again? I don't know. I, is, I, is like, there something I keep thinking we don't about know? that episode. I think he's just racist. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he just out of nowhere starts decimating Jawas. Were, were they 
like near his ship and then he shot at them or i gotta watch that one again I, that my i i really was under the impression that they just showed up <laughs> and he was like but that's the thing but that's the thing is it's star wars it's gonna come back in mandalorian season seven we get a flashback to what the jawas did to him when he was 14. Also, what planet was <laughs> right. he on where there were jawas like i thought jawas it's, lived on Tatooine. it's quill's planet it's um jacku. avalon seven or whatever but all these planets are either Tatooine or jacku they all look the same man well, so yeah, I actually I actually looked this up. I don't remember what it was. I looked this up half an hour before we started because I was like, hang on, hang on. There are Jawas on that planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked up Jawas and it, and it was like, Jawas are a native species to Tatooine. However, they have been known to travel to other outer rim planets and are known as like off-world Jawas in that case. I feel like what happened with specifically in reference to Jawas being on other planets and so much of this show taking place on sand planets is Disney was like, all right, John, you get, I don't know, like a hundred million dollars for this season. And he was like, cool. Where's the cheapest place in the world to film? The middle of the desert. And he was like, all right, cool. We're going to the desert. I I repeat, this is all green screen. Yeah. And there are a couple of moments in this episode that you can really tell. This is all soundstage. Oh, you're right. It is. There are, there are moments. uh, Because, and the only reason, the only reason I'm mad about that is because that great scene of the two of them that the mando and the child walking into the sunset i saw one of those those videos where it like pulls the green screen effect oh, off man. and you just see them walking at a big green wall and i'm like you just ruined see, it for and me. that's cool with a show like westworld where you're revealing like the green screen stuff because like what what they're doing with westworld is is pretty cool in terms of how they're painting over some of the green and and, and the technology there but with star wars when you actually have you know sand dunes readily available and and sunsets that you can time out and put a camera in front of it, it is a little bit sad to know that it's just it's all that, disney yeah it's just that is the disney well, way probably, to do things it's probably these cheaper days. to to not have to go film on location. No, they can continue to film in Georgia even though people ask them not to. Really? Yeah. Well, ain't nobody filming in Georgia right now, but... Well, nobody's filming anything, yeah. but... um, Yeah, the only time I've ever liked it re-Star Wars is the scene where um, Rey and, and, and Han are in the front seat of the Falcon and... Ray's like, I've never, oh, I didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy. And the shot turns and it's just green screen <laughs> windows. <laughs> and, and Harrison Ford just goes, okay. It's amazing because it's just like, it just turns. And you know the scene. You expect to just, you're watching a video of the scene. You expect it to just turn and, and be whatever planet Masconada's on. And it's literally just green there, screen there through the no windows. There was no acting going on in that shot. I die every time. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Uh, so so as we round out our time here on the episode, Sam, you have a new EP out. It's called Call Your Friends. It's a fantastic album. Tell me tell me more oh, about thanks, it. Oh, thanks, man. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I sent it to you like as soon as we were done polishing it up. Um, Yeah, so uh, Call Your Friends is, is, my, is my very, very first EP. I'm really, really, really thrilled about it. It's sort of a country rock fusion, folk rock record that uh, I got very, very lucky to work with a lot of uh, great musicians on it. Um, just through the job that I'm doing, I'm, do, I'm, I'm an actor musician, which means that the plays that I'm in, I'm usually playing music uh, as well as performing my duties as an actor. So I, I'll be playing a role. I'll be playing a role like Elvis or Carl Perkins. I'll be playing guitar and I'm really the one doing it, but there's a whole band happening with us. And so I grabbed a lot of those guys and put them on my record for all these songs that I wrote. Um, and some of these songs are, you know, any like anywhere from pretty recent to four or five years old. Um, Call Your Friends, the, the kind of lead single off of it is a song I wrote 
wrote my senior year of college, which was um, about four or five years ago. And then there's another song, Shakespeare, Forgive Me, which I wrote. You know, that's that's a six-year-old song. Um, so I'm I'm really happy that I got those songs recorded and and I got to work with the, the people that I worked with. Um, it's it's really really a labor of love, and and I appreciate everybody who supported it so far. So yeah, you can you can find me on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music and, and Amazon Music and Google Play uh, under Sam C. The letter C. Sam C. Jones. Call your friends, and you can go listen to that record uh, now everywhere. It is super sick. And Sam plays guitar left-handed. I do play guitar left-handed. He's I the, do. the only human being in the world that isn't in like an, a Celtic punk band that plays guitar <laughs> left-handed. You know, my... Pu- that actually went ahead and did the damn thing and learned to play guitar. Because I'm left-handed and I do not play Are guitar you really? left-handed. I wow. am, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, you know, and I, I tried to learn right-handed. I tried, People handed me right-handed guitars, and I tried to do it. And I, 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 I kid you not, the moment somebody handed me a left-handed guitar, it was like, I was like, it was, I was immediately able to play it with such, such ease. So I take a lot of pride that I'm, I'm a left-handed player, and all my guitars. Oh gosh, I have this big fear that my daughter's left-handed because she keeps grabbing stuff. She might be, man. Hey, and you know, left-handed guitars are a little bit expensive, um, a little bit more expensive because they don't make as many of them but hey man just just lean into it if she's a, if she's a lefty just just you know lean into it and, and uh the, the best advice i can give as a left-handed person is just just encourage her to keep using her left hand um legitimately i think the thing was that i, I started playing guitar and i did not know that left-handed guitars were a mm-hmm. thing it didn't it wasn't even something that like occurred to me to look it up it was just like these are how guitars well, you, work well you, you know a party it. trick that i have is that i i taught myself how to play right-handed guitars upside down because i would go to my friends houses and they wouldn't have a left-handed guitar so i learned how to do chord shapes backwards so yeah. i'll be at like no, no I, 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 I that real jimmy Hendrix yeah, yeah, thing. yeah so i'll i'll be at like open mic nights or like uh kind of like a share your your new music kind of evening at someone's house you know the the you know artists they they have parties and they they like to play us a new song um and I won't have my guitar with me, but but somebody will party. have a guitar, and then I will uh, play it backwards. And it takes people kind of a second to realize what I'm doing, which is always kind of fun. Um, and I I I love doing that, um, doing that. But uh, but obviously it's easier for me to play on like an actual left-handed instrument. Um, I have a left-handed mandolin, also. I I'm I'm just I'm just grabbing all of them. Just there you guys, go. Stock up. You'll be the. I was like gonna the, say the, if you if you want to play the mandolin, you might as well go ahead and buy every left-handed mandolin you can I, find. I figured learning upside down would have been tricky. You know that wouldn't have really worked. It's, yeah. it's a violin, basically. It's like playing the violin upside down. That wouldn't work very well. But yeah, it was. I, I guess it was. It, by the time somebody had ever been like, "You're left-handed. Why don't you play guitar left-handed?" I had already knew how to play guitar. Yeah. So I had somebody handed me a left-handed guitar, and I was like, "I this. I already, I know how to play and guitar." You, and though. you're not like, the only left-handed guitarist to to learn right-handed. You know, it's it's it, it, Yeah. Hey, man. If that's easier for you to learn right-handed, it's easier for you to learn to learn right-handed. My mom is right-handed, and she plays guitar left-handed. It just it just made sense for her brain. Can't explain. Yeah. It. And I mean, at this yeah. point, you know, I can. I can make music. I can figure out how to right. play it. Am I ever going to be, you know, in the band Dragon Force? No. Probably not. Like, <laughs> but but your record sounds great, man. It's 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 some of the stuff you're doing. Thank I, you. I, I really appreciate it. Um, but also, you know, I I have my record coming out, or no, my record's already out. But I have some new stuff coming out. Um, I'm recording some stuff remotely with a couple of folks uh, who are back in California uh, and some people on the East Coast.
artist. So um, after I released Call Your Friends, I had a couple of shows to kind of showcase some of my music. Or at, and or as I was releasing uh, Call Your Friends, I had some shows to showcase it. And there are some records, there are some songs that I've written that uh, I really love, and they they um, are more recent. They've kind of shown what I can really do as a songwriter, as opposed to what I was doing as a songwriter five or six years ago. Um, and I love a lot of those songs, and it turns out that a lot of people also love a lot of those songs too. So um, we're recording a new single, me and my friend uh, Hannah Jane Kyle, who's a songwriter out in Sacramento, along with her husband, Corey Strange, and then um, Justin Bendel, who I've done Million Dollar Quartet with, and then David Taylor Gomes, who is a composer. He composed the, the musical Ranked, which was supposed to be making a uh, a New York reading before um, the pandemic hit. Um, so he, so I have the, those guys working on the, a new song. So that'll, that'll hopefully be out by the end of May uh, as we kind of record this remotely and try to mix it together. We're, we're kind of going into uncharted territory doing this, but I'm really excited to do it because I, I love the song a lot and I think a lot of people are going to like it too. Um, uh, it's kind of a country Willie Nelson sort of style number. Yeah. There you go. That is awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that you are keeping busy during the quarantine. Yeah, we got to do, do something, right? Yeah, it has derailed a lot of yeah. musicians yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, how's what's, what's Drop the Girl doing now? Are you guys, I mean... Are you practicing at all, or are you guys uh, on a little Well, high, so they, they all live out near Newport News okay. still. Like, that's where the band's from. That's I joined it while I was still living out there. Mm-hmm. So I live out here. So it's they are still recording, and we are working on... I'm not recording. They're still practicing, and we're working on writing songs and trying to go back in the studio whenever this ends and get another couple ones out by the end of the summer, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but it's tough to, like coordinate because i live out here and can't travel yeah so that's that's tough um it's, it's tricky to, to figure out but we're, we're making okay. it work okay you know definitely uh we had some plans derailed for sure you know uh, cd release show release tours everything like that didn't quite happen the way we thought they were going to no no, no. A, lot, a lot of stuff got derailed but you know um the way i'm trying to look at it the, the, like the way i'm trying to look at this whole thing if i can speak briefly on it, is that you know it it's a bad situation it really really is and, and a lot of people are hurting right now um if you are lucky enough to have a place to to call home and shelter you know just just ju- oh, just exactly. try yeah. to remember that you are a very that, they, that you're lucky we are a lot of us are very lucky that we have homes that we can come home to and stay safe and shelter with our loved ones um so i i if if we can take anything out of this is, is to hold each other closer once we are allowed to be within six feet of yeah. each other when is this this comes out monday yeah yeah i should be releasing uh some media this Ooh, week actually good theoretically good, good, good. as long as my order is produced in the timeline they say it is going to be produced nice. in look at you go yeah good so more information on that keep in, keep your eye on the social medias and i'll talk about it on the show obviously once it's available good good, good, good. looking forward to it well sam thank you for joining us uh for the monday lorian this week uh, everybody go stream all of sam's new music the description in the video and not the video what do we do here podcast the, the description of the podcast has we don't do videos at all we like, today the we link start. for sam's music is in the description yeah. the link for sam's music is in the description uh or you can search you, sam I, c jones sam c jones on all major music platforms i think we'll probably have the spotify link spotify in the link is usually the best uh, one yeah definitely yeah yeah uh, can confirm as person that releases as music. a person who's made exactly three dollars uh, from uh, uh streams spotify is the best one <laughs> yeah can people like buy yeah, like actually a yeah i i do have money? physical discs i'll show one in 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 the camera the viewers at home can't see it but i do have physical physical copies of the cds that i have been mailing out to some people so uh people can buy that through my band camp uh which uh we could also link question mark i i defer to you yeah absolutely um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and we can we you know can what? definitely link that. We can also probably buy a couple copies uh, and give them away. I was just gonna say we're gonna give away. Oh, a copy. that'd be sweet. Oh, yeah. I would I would love that, guys. Yeah. Uh, there will be there will be information. I will I will go in when we figure it out the nice. details and insert information about how you can get oh, your copy. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Nice. Hey, everybody. Future Ethan here. If you're listening to this episode on Monday, May the 4th, first of all, may the 4th be with you always. And second of all, you can participate in our giveaway for Sam's debut EP, Call Your Friends. All you need to do is head over to Instagram and you're going to go to the Bacon and Eggs pod page. You're going to follow that and you're going to like the post about the giveaway, as well as you're going to go to Instagram.com slash the Sam C. Jones. The Sam C. Jones, that's his Instagram. And you're going to go follow and like his post as well. We're giving away three copies you have to like and follow both posts to participate we're, we're going to be giving away three copies today may the 4th starting at 2 p.m eastern standard time and the contest will run 24 hours we'll announce the winner on our instagram stories go ahead and do that and participate in the giveaway back to the episode all right um our music for this episode is brought to you by the band four years strong it's a song called abandon ship or abandon all hope uh the episode is produced by wbne you can listen to this show and more shows like it at wbne.org you can even check out our other show it's called bacon and eggs no that's this show crap we don't have another show this is all our show you can check out our dungeons and dragons podcast it's called late to the party there's a preview for that right here and uh what else ethan what else do i say at the end of our show uh bye (laughs) goodbye